0: This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. As always on a Tuesday, it's The Big Picture, sponsored by Investec Asset Management. This week we are speaking to Russell Silverstone, Head of Multi-Asset Absolute Return at Investec Asset Management in London. We're going to talk about central banks. Now, this is the central bank description by Wikipedia. It says here, a central bank, reserve bank or monetary authority is an institution that manages a state's currency, money supply and interest rates. Russell, the the thing that I like about central banks is their... Almost monopolistic power and the fact that they set the price of money. So, whether you're rich or poor or all points in between, what the central banks do affects your life every single day.
1: Absolutely, and without a doubt. Although, you know, there's an argument that they are technocratic and actually the parameters around which they do that is actually set by government. But no doubt at all, they set the price of money in, in, in accordance with government and, um, yeah, we, we can't escape from it. And, and particularly, I think, over the last 10 years, their actions have have, have uh, prevailed across, across markets, no doubt at all.
0: Yes, indeed. Let's get to this week now. Let's get contemporary and let's talk about what happened this morning. First of all, let's start with a really big central bank, the Bank of Japan. They were, there were some rumours that they might... Because of the recent trends in consumption spending in Japan actually changed their policy and start to rein in their incredibly expansive stimulus program, which has been in place since Mr. Abe came to power. But what happened this morning? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely, so sort of you know Bank of japan' is sort of the cinderella of global markets and and uh, they never sort of get to go to the ball and everyone sort of forgets about them, but um they actually kept interest rates unchanged, but what they 've done is is tweak how they implement and and uh, it might be worth just going back to 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 you know assess what they 're actually doing they are um uh, hyperactive in, in terms of trying to get inflation to take off in Japan. So they're printing money, uh, they're controlling the bond market by buying all bonds above a certain yield level. And they're buying equities, they're buying exchange traded funds, and you know they just can't get inflation to go up in Japan, which which isn't a real surprise. But what we saw last week actually was a, was a little bit of tight flying. And really, Japan has got to the point where this sort of hyperactive policy, I think the the the, the the side effects are beginning to outweigh the benefits, and this is really what this meeting was all about. Which is actually very interesting. What they actually did was, was they are, well, they were buying all Japanese government bonds in a range above um, 0.1%, 0.1% at 10 years. So so that's pretty significant. What they actually did was allow yields to move a little bit further around this. It's now up to 0.2%. It doesn't sound like much, but the Japanese government bond market is monumental. There is $10 trillion outstanding. Wow. They are borrowing $1.3 trillion this year alone, this financial year alone. Mm. And yet there have been days this year where that bond market has not traded, which is absolutely incredible because they've essentially capped activity, so what they 're trying to do is is offset some of the side effects of this this really, really aggressive policy by, by sort of tweaking some of their operations. And, you know, as ever with markets, I think people sort of anticipated this a little bit. And um, whilst we did see Japanese government bonds sell off, they've sort of given back some of that sell-off today and the yen had rallied slightly and it's also given back some. But it isn't, I think the significance of Japan is it's, it's not, you know, a local market. What happens, of course, to Japanese investors is that money goes overseas. So typically pension funds, uh, individuals, indeed, by overseas bond markets. So this was beginning to have, the anticipation of this was beginning to have a global impact. And we saw, for example, the long end of the US Treasury market, another huge market, sort of rise from 295 to 310 as the... As the market began to anticipate less flows coming out of Japan. And again, that market sort of pulled back from some of those gains. So so it doesn't sound like much. And it's definitely technical. But the facts, you know, it's acknowledgement that some of the sort of costs of this policy are, are outweighing the benefits.
0: I tell you what, it may not sound much to you because you're dealing with these numbers all day at Investec Asset Management. But it sounds like a gargantuan amount to me when you're talking about trillions of US dollars. And it also seems to me that these little tweaks here and there, they have to be very careful with because if the tweak becomes a little bit out of line or out of whack with what the market is expecting then the international repercussions could be huge for the the BOJ the Bank of Japan and the JGB the Japanese government bond market.
1: Absolutely agree and and, you know they really do have to be extremely careful about it and that's why I think they're just taking babies to steps in in this direction but you know the policy I think is you know the policy path is clear that at a global level, central banks are saying, "Look, you know, it's ten years since the global financial crisis. We need to begin to escape from this policy because actually, you know, there may be a slowdown on on the on in the medium term horizon. So, you know, we cannot go into the next downturn with policy at maximum volume. So, I think, you know, all around the world, we're just seeing central banks pulling back from this really, really high, really, really sort of aggressive policy."
0: Let's talk about uh, central bank event number two, which is the central bank number one in the world when it comes to a league table. And that's the FOMC of the U.S. Federal Reserve, FOMC being the Federal Open Market Committee, due to make their decision on U.S. interest rates, U.S. monetary policy in 24 hours or so time. And it seems to me there may be no change, but that's just sort of – sort of warding off the inevitable because the next meeting will probably be another 25 basis points according to conventional wisdom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what the pattern the Federal Reserve has been following is that every quarter they have a press conference, they have new economic forecasts and they've been raising interest rates at those meetings and there's no reason to expect them to do anything different. The communication we've seen um, since the last meeting in June has all been about you know, slow but sure gradual rate increases um, and yes, we had fantastic economic growth numbers out of the U.S. last Friday, mm. but there is no expectation whatsoever. There's a, according to market pricing this morning, there's a 2% probability of a hike this week, but it's more like 80%, 85% for, for September. So the market's saying, you know, the, the, they will pass. They will probably modestly change the language that they, uh, they released at the time of that meeting, just to perhaps, you know, mark that to market if you like. But absolutely, in September, it looks highly, highly likely very little anticipated um, this time out and the federal reserve are just slowly but surely marching towards a tighter policy and don't forget that balance sheet which is running down and we get next month we're running down at close to 50 billion a month so whilst mm-hmm. interest rates may be unchanged until september they are slowly tightening policy through shrinking their balance sheet and that again we think uh, will, will be having an impact at the
0: margins. We'll come to that later on, right at the end of the interview. But uh, Mr. Trump has tried to intervene very subtly. Well, if Mr. Trump can be subtle about anything. But one of his more subtle comments was, you know, why I'm doing this and the central bank is doing something else and raising interest rates. He's calling for 8 to 9% growth, GDP growth for the United States of America, which I don't think is is attainable. It's too big an an economy. But anyway, no change tomorrow night. That's your prediction and the market's prediction, apart from the 2% minority. What about the old lady? It's the... UK it's the Bank of England on Thursday what is Mr Carney going to do
1: yeah, absolutely. The old, the old lady of Threadneedle Street, as she's known. Um, absolutely, they will raise um, interest rates. That's sort of eighty-five, ninety percent priced. And the UK is an interesting one. Um, we're going to raise interest rates to zero point seven five. They were last higher in February two thousand and nine. Obviously, that was when I mean, we were just going into the global financial crisis. Then, but what's interesting about the UK is, is it's not because demand is so strong. It absolutely isn't. It's, it's the other side of the economy, the supply. Side is actually really weak, and and, and I think of this as, as the speed limit. You know, the speed limit in the UK economy has absolutely collapsed post-financial um, crisis and, and, and um, yeah. post-Brexit vote. And so, what that means is, you know, if you're traveling in the car and, and you want a speed limit that's 60 miles an hour and you're doing 55, it's not a problem. If the speed limit falls to 30 and you're doing 55, you're in serious trouble. And and, and that's what the bank saying: the speed limit has fallen. So, even modest growth is going to tighten. Capacity, spare capacity in our economy, and raise inflationary pressure. so they're coming about it from a completely different angle, which is quite interesting, so yeah it looks it looks to be uh, highly likely despite all of the uncertainty and that's you know that's what's different about the uk it's this this very limited capacity, this very limited room to grow that's really driving driving them.
0: Yeah, that actually sounds like the most interesting meeting of all the three that we've just spoken about. Let's end this now with something that Jamie Dimon, a well-known American investment banking chief, said on CNBC yesterday. He uh, put, made quite a basic point, but quite a moot point as well. And he said that we don't know what's going on here. we you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, we'd never really heard of quantitative easing and it's an experiment. Now we don't know what the unwinding of quantitative easing, or some people refer to it as as quantitative tightening. So we are in a very, very difficult space at the moment, and people tend to panic when they don't understand something or some drastic change comes about. Hopefully the central banks manage quantitative tightening as well as they did quantitative easing. Do you think Jamie Dimon has a point? Because he sounded worried in this interview that I saw.
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, none of us know. So, so global um, central bank balance sheets have, have have grown enormously, and they did this through through creating reserves, as 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 we know. And that money had to go somewhere, and it was a deliberate policy, and and arguably, in my opinion, was the right policy. But there's there's been a monumental search for yield amongst investors as interest rates got cut to zero, and and, and we had this sort of portfolio effect. So, pension funds, insurers, um, you know, sort of. Investors had to try and um, keep 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 returns up, so we've just had this big search for yield historically, no central banks ever unwound their policy in this way. We've seen large balance sheets before historically, but that's been a function of war, um, depressingly. And as the economy has grown back, so the balance sheet shrinks as a proportion of the economy. This time around, it's actually reducing um, the balance sheet um, uh, um, by outright selling of assets. None of us know how it's going to go. Arguably so far, it's only the Federal Reserve that are doing this, and that's been offset by the Bank of Japan and, and until recently the European Central Bank. But we're getting to a point now where the European Central Bank ending this year, the Federal Reserve actually, um, actively um, contracting their balance sheet, whereby we need to watch very, very carefully for effects on, on financial markets. So far I think it's been incredibly benign uh, actually. Um, yes, yields have risen in the US and, and globally for that matter modestly, um, but stock markets, um, you know, there's no obvious, obvious effects on stock markets. But yeah, it's it's a cumulative thing. Um, and it's the old analogy of, of, of boiling the frog. We, we need to watch it very, very carefully as, as the sort of temperature rises that, 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 that markets don't become um, stressed. But at the moment, in, in my opinion, there's very little sign of it. And I think that will give central banks the, 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 the confidence to continue with this sort of slow but steady grinding down of those balance sheets.
0: Russell, brilliant. As always, thanks so much for your time this evening. That's Russell Silverstone, who's the head of multi-asset absolute return at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.